What's up, gentlemen? This is Rising Phoenix Podcast, a podcast about how to rise up after your divorce. I'm your host, divorce coach, Michael Rhodes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is Dr. Wendy Patrick. Uh, Dr. Patrick, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I wouldn't know where to start except to say I am a career trial attorney, but also uh, have a master in divinity and a PhD in theology. And I'm just very passionate about learning why people do the things they do and how we can make this world a better place. You know, some people think that sounds trite, but it's actually something most people agree with. So um, much of what I do, uh, I write about in uh, Psychology Today, where I have my own column and just try to explore some of the ways we harm ourselves, harm our relationships, and more importantly, how we can improve. Well, and that's how I found you at psychologytoday.com. And uh, I saw a blog post that was uh, very interesting to me, which is about the silent treatment. And it's very interesting to me because I unfortunately deployed that uh, silent treatment pretty expertly, I would say. Um, not because I uh, felt or thought uh, that it was harmful. It was just what I did to protect myself. And I understand a little bit about it, but I'd like to dive into it with more with you. So, so why do people do it? Why do people give the silent treatment to their partners? Well, a lot of times it's probably, as you might even be able to relate to, it's a protection mechanism sometimes. It's a, often used as punishment. Remember, in relationships, especially romantic relationships, silence is not golden. Snubbing a partner, a parent, a child can really sabotage that relationship. One of the, the things that it's sometimes used for is to instill uncertainty in the target. You're leaving somebody unstable, never knowing where they stand, never knowing whether or not you're mad at them, um, what the problem is, what they've done. You know, some people are just clueless as to what they do that makes another person angry. And silent treatment does nothing to resolve conflict. Mm. So those are some of the ways and some of the reasons that people do it. Um, but I think probably the bigger point is regardless of why somebody might do it, understanding the harm it can have to a relationship is often the first step to stopping it and finding far more productive ways of resolving conflict and communicating displeasure. Yeah, so uh, that that's a, a pretty uh, good synopsis of, of the why. And so that leads us to, to stopping it. And you briefly mentioned it. But what are some things that uh, people can do besides being conscious and cognizant of like, this is a bad thing? But what else can people do to sort of get over this um, defense mechanism or default setting or whatever it is that you want to call it that some people use? How do you how do you stop that? Well, if I could answer that briefly, I would probably have a, a thousand <laughs> patients and be a millionaire. That, but I can sort of summarize some of the approaches that the experts take. Um, one, obviously, the first step is acknowledging the harmfulness. A lot of people that give others the silent treatment just kind of think that, you know, they get what they deserve. They don't for a second think about what they actually, the harm they may be doing, I suppose, unless they're also the recipient. Communication and trying it out instead. You know, the first time you do it, it may be a little bit awkward, you know, actually admitting why somebody made you upset. The other person has to have buy-in to this new mechanism, though. In other words, they can't themselves get defensive, not be able to handle criticism. To be able to listen, you know, I also write articles on the, the value of listening. To be able to listen with an open mind and just hear the other person out. They're not apportioning blame or, or passing judgment. They're explaining why they're angry. You know, it's kind of like you learn to do this with your kids. You have to know why 
they're upset, why they're pouting, why they are doing whatever they're doing in order to be able to appreciate, you know, maybe we can relate to that on some level and how we can then start to communicate. But therein lies the second way in which we can stop the behavior. It's a bad habit. It's a pattern, but patterns can be broken. You know, it's sort of like some people say, well, rules are meant to be broken. I wouldn't agree with that, but I would say patterns sometimes are, are very much meant to be broken because many of them are so harmful and the silent treatment is one of them. So just that very first time a partner, a parent, a child decides, you know, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and be very upfront and honest about why I'm upset and just see what happens. Uh, the results might amaze you. And I say that because research shows that many kids, for example, would much rather have a parent communicate displeasure than give them the silent treatment. What does that tell you? Hmm. So uh, you uh, the first step is sort of being conscious, right? Being aware. Um, how, how do you, how can, how can someone be, I guess it's about self-reflection and introspection, right? I mean, you have to ask yourself, Perhaps you're having the same fights over and over and it's not getting resolved. So per perhaps it's it's a matter of asking yourself what what I'm doing isn't working and and then what am I doing, right? It's in that sort of step one, you have to at least be conscious of your actions. Well, you can be conscious of your actions, but some partners don't recognize that what they're doing isn't working. So I'm really glad you brought that up. In other words, they're faced with a partner that seems to be walking on eggshells, falling all over themselves with apologies and trying to figure out, you know, being very ingratiating, trying to figure out how to appease the silent partner when that's a very toxic relational dynamic of inequality that is not sustainable. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. I think maybe partners that use a silent treatment should be reminded, you're going to lose your relationship if this is the way you behave. Nobody's going to stick around forever. At least most people wouldn't because the, the mental anguish and anxiety of being subjected to this oftentimes without even knowing what the reason is. So one thing that, that targets, that victims, if you will, have to also appreciate is that when and if they have a partner that decides to actually express displeasure, that they really have to step up as well and really listen. This is why therapists sometimes, uh, or third parties of any kind, whether or not it's formalized, can be very helpful. They're almost mediating disputes in a fashion designed to bring both partners to an understanding that they have to be kind to one another, communicate warmly and openly. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to make mistakes, but the silent treatment is never a way to deal with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being a person that deployed it, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I feel a little defensiveness coming on because I didn't do it uh, for any reason to to destroy a relationship, to be an asshole. It's just it was my default setting because I, I grew up in a very chaotic, um, verbally abusive, sometimes physically abusive environment. And the best way that I knew to to uh, deal with that was to shut down. Um, so it's more disassociation than silent treatment, but it's uh, there, you know, uh, one half dozen, you know, half a dozen. Well, it is different. So well, it is different. What you describe is very different. And there are lots of relationships in which withdrawal is a defense mechanism, almost a survival mechanism. That seems to sure. be what you're describing it. That's but I don't think they are that different, actually. I think they're very similar because if I'm not talking to you, then I am withdrawing from you. So I don't see the difference at all, to be honest. But with the you. difference is many people engage the silent treatment as a weapon. 
as a weapon to make somebody else feel bad, to punish somebody else. It's very different than using withdrawal as a defense mechanism. Now, I see what you're saying in that the result might be the same as to the impact on the recipient, but the motivations for using different types of aloofness, withdrawal, ignoring somebody else, those can be very different. And as you mentioned, it is very circumstantial and it's often sure. contextual as to what you've been raised with. Very good yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it wasn't... Um... I didn't decide, like, I know what I'm going to do. This is this is how I'm going to handle being hurt because it was always uh, revolves around being hurt. It's never, I never looked at it as a, I mean, it was a punishment, but it was a punishment for, for hurting me, right? So it wasn't like, um, I don't know, you didn't cook my favorite dinner and so I'm going to be a dick. It wasn't that kind of a thing. It was it like, wasn't you know. It wasn't giving somebody a timeout, right? Very different. No, no, it wasn't at all. I mean, at least it did. I, I'm sure it didn't. I'm sure the context or the reason up here didn't matter to her because the end result was the same. I'm, you know, I'm sure of that. I'm sure it was difficult. I mean, and, you know, it, as, as much as it sucks for you to be blunt about it, the, the fact is that yes, my, I don't have that. There's a reason I have this podcast and it's because I don't have a marriage anymore. So to your point, yeah, it didn't work out for me, but again, it wasn't, and I, you know, I'm definitely clear, clearly being a little defensive here, but it wasn't a, a conscious choice to do that to to be an asshole or to be to get what i wanted at all it was you hurt my feelings i'm not fucking talking to you and because that's what i knew and so i think again it's it, i but i didn't know any of, of of this uh the the, the view that it's negative I, I had no idea until you know you're faced with you know four walls and 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 your family gone and then it's like oh shit maybe i need to do a little bit of introspection here so um i i think I don't know how people um, get to improving or growing or healing or whatever if they don't have that mo those moments of, of introspection. Uh, and it can be difficult. I think, that, I, I think that's exactly the key. You know, sometimes it takes a terrible mm -hmm. circumstances, disappointment, frustration, failure. Mm -hmm. to, you know, that that's when God works the best is when we've been humbled through circumstances, whether or not they're of our making, but especially if there are, and we're just motivated to look back, try to learn from our mistakes and believe that he's got something better for us. You know, everybody makes mistakes and many people lose relationships because of the mistakes they made, but that doesn't mean there's not a much better life up ahead. And, and the bravery that you demonstrate by talking mm -hmm. about is inspiring and encouraging your listeners who are themselves in similar circumstances, but maybe don't themselves have that courage and bravery, but are listening and thinking and, and planning as to how they can move on from where they are and make the rest of their life even better than whatever's in the past. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. And I don't, I don't disagree. I, I, uh, I had this conversation last night with somebody, um, I, boy, there's, there's stuff I'd be, a, I'd rather be a lot better at than, than handling a divorce. I'd rather have been better at a relationship, but you know, you take your victories where you can. Um, so I, I just want to, to hone it down uh, to one, one action specific. I really love specificity of action. So if I um, give the silent treatment and, and it's because I'm, I'm basically essentially afraid to have a difficult conversation. What is one thing that I could do to sort of ease into it or or to get to dip my toe in or to i know this isn't good i'm hearing this podcast and look but man i really i shut down and i get angry and and i don't want to like yell and scream so that's bad so 
how do you dip your toe in? What, what's something maybe we could come up with that would uh, be a dipping of the toe into expressing ourselves and having difficult, difficult conversations? Some people, some people dip their toe in by uh, putting pen to paper. Nowadays, mm. I would say putting fingers to keyboard or, but yeah. whatever you, whatever some people are uncomfortable with saying, they may not necessarily be uncomfortable with expressing other ways. Yeah. Um, I know people that have been very vague and have expressed, you know, they've, they've told whoever it is, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not speaking. Um, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I don't mean to, to hurt you, but I need some time to think about how I want to communicate. In other words, let's the other person know, look, this isn't forever. There's a reason behind it. It's not meant as a punishment. And that the, the person that's uh, giving the silent treatment understands it's not a productive way to be, um, expressing themselves or, or, or failing to express themselves. Sometimes starting that way at the very least opens up receptivity. I've had some people tell me that they've gotten a response that I, you know, thank you so much for letting me know that this is only temporary. I can't wait till we talk, whatever it is, I'm willing to listen. I mean, the, the receptiveness, the, um, the love, the affection that sometimes engenders, and it also lets the recipient of the silent treatment know that there's, there are brighter horizons ahead. You know, the fact that someone's willing to at least convey um, the way they're feeling, um, that's the first step. And it can only go up, upwards from there. Yeah. Well, well uh, Wendy, I know you're, you're a busy lady, so I thank you for doing this. Um, this is going to be a, a quick one. Uh, I'm going to, I have a, a series called Fixing Our Flaws and uh, I've done a few episodes that are a bit more condensed and, and that will be uh, what this episode will be around the silent treatment. So I thank you for doing it so very much. And I want to ask you one last question. And that is what words of wisdom would you impart to a man who has just started his divorce process? You know, the words of wisdom, it's so difficult. You know, it's so I, I say faith, family, friendships. I mean, there are so many communities of support that are available to make a very negative, uncomfortable process as best as it could be. Sometimes honesty and openness and sharing with people who have been through the same thing sometimes makes all the difference in the world because it can be very isolating to be going through any kind of experience, believing you're the only one that has felt this badly. So shows like yours, experiences and sharing like you're willing to do, uh, it really makes it easier. There's safety and security and support in numbers. So find somebody you can talk it out with and hang in there like it's better. Awesome. Thank you so much. How can people find you, Wendy? What's the best people uh, way for people to reach out to you? My website is uh, wendypatrickphd.com. Very easy. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this, Wendy. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. God bless you. Yep. Take care. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Since my separation in July of 2019, I have done an incredible amount of work on myself. I've had many different therapists, life coaches, and went through different programs. I've taken all that I've learned and put it into my own program called Forge by Fire. If you are interested in having me help you navigate your divorce, please hit my website, risingphoenixdivorcecoach.com. I look forward to working with you.